Greetings and welcome to Gumbo the Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Gary. Gumbo the Podcast highlights Africa and its many manifestations from the perspective of African people globally. Focusing on culture and history, its purpose is to educate, empower, connect, and ultimately liberate the African diaspora. On today's episode, we'll be discussing how we can reclaim our food and why it's so important to do so. Our guests today will be sharing their experiences with and knowledge of African methods of cooking, growing, and herbalism. We're joined by three amazing guests, Felicia Woodard, Ayo Ngozi Drayton, and Shawanda Marie. Felicia Woodard is a professional dancer, teacher, mother, gardener, mindfulness facilitator, and future yoga teacher that believes in intentional living. Spiritual, mental, and physical health are very important in the work that she does, and she uses the spaces she occupies to facilitate that for others. Additionally, Felicia is currently performing professionally, and now she has a home business called Sacred Line, where she offers services in bringing light into living spaces. Ayo Ngozi Drayton, she, her, is an herbalist, educator, and artist. Trained as a clinician, Ayo is an instructor at community-based herbal schools and conferences and teaches and makes medicine through her own platform, The Creative Root, and in 2020 started Planting Reparations, a reparations-based mutual aid initiative that redistributes plants and healing resources for Black people. Ayo is committed to learning from ancestral tradition, documenting herbal and cultural practices, and serving her beloved community. We're also joined by Shawanda Marie, and Shawanda Marie, and Shawanda, I'm sorry, my, Shawanda Marie was born into a family of creative New Orleans, a creative New Orleans, sorry, people from New Orleans, <laughs> and is now the owner and creative mind behind New Orleans Creole Story Pot. She infuses elements of theater performance, storytelling, visual art, history, education, cultural traditions, music, and of course, culinary art. She was born and raised in New Orleans' ninth ward and shares the remarkable culture and traditions of her city as a culinary storyteller. One of Shawanda's recipes was recently featured in culinary historian Michael Twitty's new cookbook, Rice. Shawanda is currently working on her own highly anticipated cookbook. Yes, it's anticipated, okay. And she is a cultural consultant for Crescent City Monsters comic book series. So I'm super excited to have all of you on today. Um, we're joined by some amazing, amazing people. So let's let's go ahead and jump into the conversation. So I want to first start off by introducing and, and discussing why it's important to connect with our food ways, right? Why is there a need to reclaim our food ways um, and, and our traditions? And so um, we can go ahead and start off with uh, Ayo. Would you like to share? Sure. Why it is important is because for me, it's this is so much about who it is that we are. If you look at what culture, what makes a people people, right? So it's our food, it's our uh, medicine, it's our art making, you know, it's language, the way that we communicate with one another and all these things. These are the things that for me, give me, um, remind me of, not even remind me, they keep me connected to where I come from. Um, they keep me connected to my ancestors and they keep me also looking forward um, because I have children, you know, and younger folks that I work with and teach and mentor, it kind of keeps that through line going. 
Um, so a lot of the work that I do like with teaching lately, um, even when, whether I'm talking about herbs or food, it really does center in on, for me, it's about what did my people do? What did they cook? How did they make medicine? A lot of that is about um, finding sovereignty, you know, being not feeling beholden to whatever conditions that we're in. You know, we've always made medicine, you know, regardless of our circumstances in this country mm. um, and in the diaspora, right? We've always developed the, the best of foods, you know, look at New Orleans, right? Um, and so it's that thing that reminds us of our genius. It's the thing that keeps us whole in our bodies, in our spirit, like literally, I always tell people when they're asked like, what's the best diet I should follow this at? I always think like if we ate more like our great, great grandparents, maybe mm. great, great, greats, mm. you know, that's it right there. Whole food, real food, you know, um, eat fresh, eat seasonal. So I just think it's really important in that way to keep all that connection running through. Wow. I completely agree. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Um, yesterday I was um, having a conversation. Um, I, you know, my family is from Louisiana. I think everybody pretty much knows that considering the title <laughs> of the podcast and, um, I was having a conversation with one of our uh, family members and she was talking about Monglier tea and like, you know, how that herb is so important. And I remember um, my grandparents and like my great, you know, my older aunts and uncles, the great aunts and uncles were, were using that for, for healing remedies. So absolutely. I'm thinking about what they use and what they did and, and how yeah. they sustain their, 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 their selves with and heal themselves. It's amazing. Like I, I remember as a child, um, my family, I, I come from a family where folks were, you know, everybody was using some kind of tea, not for your necessarily their main, you know, self-care, um, but they come from folks that that's what they did. And I remember being a little girl, my father um, being so big on calamus root. Mm. That was his jam. And I remember being four and five and he would talk about this is why I'm chewing this root it settles my stomach and I'm stressed out. And he broke it down. Like, so even from little getting that information through the family and holding that. So when I got to it, I went and did like the formal go to school, get a degree herb school thing. You come in more grounded when you know, like when you talk about the tea that your family, your grandmother would share with you, when you come in with your own things, you know, and knowing your own connection, you can't get swayed off you know, as you move through the world, too. Wow. Ooh, that's a word. That's a word. Okay. And can everybody hear me okay? Yes, you're good. Yeah. Okay, Great. awesome. Let's, let's, Felicia, please tell me your, your take on that. Uh, why, why is it important to connect with these things? For me, much of like what Ayo said, it, it, that's grounding. Like, it's very true. Um, I agree with some of those things, but I found for me, it was sacred. It became very spiritual in my own personal spiritual journey. So you want to disrupt the systems that we have, but as opposed to constantly rebelling against the system, I found that I was finding these sacred things that my people were doing every single day. Like there was no, um, there's no yeah. disconnection between like, sacred and what we have here where we would have sacred and secular like it was all sacred every day and so it yes. was everything was spiritual everything was led by a spirit everything was like what you're planting like you said you're eating seasonal you're listening you're listening to the wind you're paying attention you're yes. being patient you're you know if you do lose some crops if you do lose some herbs 
you learn that lesson and you move on. And then that next season, you learn how to replan it in a different way. So it was all spiritual, all sacred, all growing all the time. It wasn't this separation of spirit and man. It was, Mm. it's one. And the more I talked to my grandparents, I really and truly stopped um, not saying that growing our own food, learning about our own herbs and medicine isn't rebellion to the system because it is. We have to learn how to take care of ourselves. But I stopped, um, it stopped being about rebellion to me and more about tapping in and talking to the people who are still here, my elders and my family and learning to them. And then having that interconnected community because the more I talk to them, then I learn about other people who live near them who could help me grow herbs, learn about people in mm-hmm. Houston mm-hmm. who I could borrow things from. And now I have maestruis, like a, a Brazilian herb that I'd never been heard of simply because I have friends that grow it. And they were like, well, here, you can have some. And then you grow these webs in these communities. And, and that's another way you can disrupt the system because I don't have to go to the store. I can learn about new things. But mm-hmm. I'm also learning about all these different spiritual systems or all these different um, ways of growing and just building my community. So it keeps me tapped into the past, to spirit, but it also helps me literally grow. Like I'm growing food, but I'm growing a new community in the present that I could call mm-hmm. family. Oh, I, I love that on so many levels. It, I was, you know, I always say I get chills. And you know, when you get the chills, it's real. Cause you know, I think, there's just so much beauty to 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 working in the earth and to um, listening to nature, being in nature, being alongside and with nature. I remember when I was a kid, I used to like <laughs> try to fight my not physically, but, you know, argue with my grandparents when my grandpa had a huge garden and he would try to, you know, get me and my sister to work. I'm like, it's too hot. And, you know, in this heat and my grandmother would have us, have us watering and all these different things. And I wish that I would have, you know done more of that and taking it more seriously but you know it's never too late um to do those things and as you were talking about um the aspects of rebellion and and i think it's really important to note um i was thinking about how there's this huge push towards environmentalism that we're seeing like in this you know western world um and it it is i always find it ironic well not really ironic but you know we can call it ironic because of the fact that our people were already doing what we call environmentalism that was something that was been on it been on it i listen to people say this and i'm like but there's so many people who still do it and have been doing it never stopped doing it and these are like our you know indigenous and african knowledges that we still have and you know we understood that you know we had to maintain balance in our communities and in our environment right that we were one with nature and one with the spirit. Like when you're listening to the wind, you're also listening to divinity. Like we understood those mm-hmm. things. And we also understood that we couldn't kill the land, right? Like we were not supposed to just, you know, exploit the land and exploit our environment. Like we understood those things. We didn't see ourselves disconnected from those aspects. So, I mean, that's just beautiful the way y'all both put that. Um, and I know and we have, know, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Ayo. You know, and you know who's who I for me the best example, one of the best examples that is so underrated is George Washington Carver on that mm. talking about. And what Felicia was talking about, that spiritual connection. Cause on the one hand, he's coming from 
Like if you look at some of the things he's talked about nature and the connection with spirit and that he says nature is an unlimited, something like an unlimited broadcasting station, you know, mm-hmm. that God is broadcasting all the time if we listen on the one hand and also deep in the laboratory, you know what I mean? Doing the whole thing. So that what Felicia was saying about like it's the whole, you know, going out every morning at four o'clock, that was mm-hmm. his practice. And the yes. conservation, his whole work was around conservation. I mean, it was about the peanut, but that work about, you know, the peanuts and the sweet potatoes and all that, that was about the soil. Mm. You know, that was Ooh. about having mm-hmm. soil. They had depleted all that soil with growing cotton for so long. And so having that spiritual connection and that, that conservation, that old environmental thing that we come with, I feel like he's the best example mm. for that. I'm getting chills oh, by her saying that. And that's what you're for. Me too, like up and down my body. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, <laughs> there's a book. There's a book called um, something, something with conservation in the title. There's a biography of him, and it's all about. It focuses on that aspect of him, and it's amazing. Yeah, I'll we find the title. Need to read that. It's beautiful. Yeah. he's he's wonderful. We definitely need to read that. I think, um, you know, of course, we can't expect you know the general media to like really highlight these important things that really, really will help us. You know, of course, they're going to undermine his work and just say, oh, all he did was like something with the peanut. Like he, that's Mm-mm. important, right? But he did so much more. So I, I thank you for sharing that because I didn't know. And to hear that, that to know that that's God broadcasting, that's just so beautifully put. And I know, um, Shawanda, we wanted to hear from you and too in terms of, you know, you know, why is it important to um, connect with our food ways and traditions. Can you share a little bit about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. It's important to connect with our food ways and traditions because it's like connecting with ourselves. Um, our traditions, our story, um, the story of our ancestors are all encoded in the way we eat. It's, it's encoded in our food traditions. And um, one of my biggest um, uh, soapboxes is to make sure that our ancestors are getting the credit that they deserve for the ingenuity and the creativity um, of, of developing a cuisine. Um, my focus is uh, New Orleans Creole cuisine, Louisiana Creole cuisine, and um, there's a movement right now to hijack that um, and to mm-hmm. ascribe uh, the creation of this cuisine and this, this way of life uh, to other people that pretty much jumped mm-hmm. on the bandwagon and inherited this. This was our ancestors that did this. Mm-hmm. They brought, you know, all of uh, these, these, um, the thing that makes Creole cuisine so delicious is Africa and everything that Africa brought, oh. uh, you know, that was brought from Africa to uh, the quote unquote new colony uh, of Louisiana at the time. Um, and of course there are other, you know, uh, groups that contributed to that, but the thing that makes it so wonderful and so rich and layered with flavors is Africa and that, that cooking style. So um, if we don't connect with our food ways, we lose sight of that, we lose that, we lose uh, insight uh, about who we are as a people at our root, so. Oh, you know, I'm just getting, I'm just gonna just accept that <laughs> I'm gonna have chills throughout the whole conversation <laughs> because I think that's so important. And, you know, my a lot of my research is on Louisiana as well and, and, and talking about the African culture of Louisiana because you're so right um, and this goes across the board that our people are really trying to hijack our mm-hmm. traditions and you know call it something what it's not or, or ignore 
the fact that these are the things that we were bringing and contributing. And of course, um, you know, when we look at, you know, things in the diaspora, you know, from, you know, the United States to South America and Caribbean, all that, of course, there are going to be other influences, but I think you made a good point. Like the foundation, like what, like the type, the way we're preparing food, the way that we're growing things in our garden, like mm-hmm. that's from Africa. Like that's, it's just, that's what it is. Of course, the indigenous peoples helped as well, right? Because they're the ones who maybe say, if we don't have a particular herb that we had in Africa, there's something comparable to it here in these new lands. Of course, their contribution is phenomenal and important. And we have to highlight that too. But as far as like this European thing and like the, the Western world, you know, trying to hijack what we've been doing, like, that's just not, that's just not correct. It's just not factual. And I do believe if we can, you know, continue to have these types of conversations and discussions, our people will know, like, this belongs to us. And like you said, Shawanda, like, this connects us to who we are as well, like, by connecting to our culture and to our traditions, right? We learn more about who we are. And that's, that's powerful. When I, I know when I'm, when I'm really missing home because I live in Virginia, when I'm really missing home, when I'm really missing my grandmother who taught me what I know, I cook. I get in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I cook. And it's almost like conjuring, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you cook. Mm-hmm. It's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, you're creating mm-hmm. a new world, a new vortex to travel in time, you know, to meet with the ancestors. And that's mm-hmm. what cooking for me is. So the smells, the feel of the food, all of those things, the sound of me hitting my, 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 my spoon on the side of the pot, it just brings me back to mm. my grandmother's kitchen and it brings me back to her wisdom and everything that she taught mm-hmm. me so cooking is so powerful our food is powerful mm. Mm. Oof. y'all Oof. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every kill I had mm-hmm. <laughs> like woo. I'm telling you I'd be really rich really really rich, rich. I'm saying wilch because I'm trying to say wealthy too <laughs> And you know, it's it's I love I got chills too that 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 um the it's the food, but when you talk about like the sounds, the hitting the spoon, it's everything else also that happens in the kitchen. That's right. You know, it's the cooking, but it's also the conversation. And it's also, you know, the young ones watching or having to learn the beginning parts of, of the cooking. It's everything that happens yes. there. That's right. You know, wow. yeah, yeah, the kitchen, the kitchen, the garden, those are all sacred. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, um, I cook, um, I'm, I'm in addition to what I do with New Orleans Creole Story Pot, I'm also a um, support, a support member of support staff for a recovery center, it's a, a residential recovery uh, substance abuse center. Um, but I bring a lot of the culture and the food uh, to the home just to share the culture with the people here. Um, so sometimes I might get in that kitchen and cook. I make etouffee, I make gumbo, I make all mm. these things. And many of the people here that we serve have never experienced it. Um, and it's just amazing to watch, you know, the newness of that for them. But the, thinking about the kitchen, I remember there's one client who would go, you know, when I'm cooking, he'd go to the kitchen and to the stove and start lifting up my pot tops and look, looking in the pot and trying to stir I'm like, oh, 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 no, hold up, hold up, hold up, no. <laughs> Go ahead, baby, you got to give me that, uh-uh, uh-uh, you know. All the New Orleans just come running out of me when I see him grabbing the top to the pot. You don't do that. You, you messing up my juju, baby. Uh-uh, you don't do right. That. <laughs> oh, my God. You sound like, Shawanda, you sound like my aunt when you were saying that. I'm like, 
But I'm 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 guilty of doing that at home. I'm like, yeah. she got in that pot because I'm hungry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's too good. about that. It's like you don't want nobody else touching the pot. Even in that, they're not doing nothing. They're not adding nothing to the pot. It's just something about the energy mm-hmm. of what you're creating. Yes. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I wanna I wanna talk more about all of this. So um, let's 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 talk to you a little bit more, Shawanda, about how like more specifically we can use um food to connect with our African culture and ancestors. So like what what are these specific ways we can do that? And how do you do that? I think it's just uh through education. A, a lot of our people don't know. You know, sometimes when we live the culture, it's just a part of who we are. We don't even see it. Uh we don't we don't see the Africa in it because we may not know uh about Africa. We may not mm-hmm. know about our traditions and how that relates. So it's about educating our people to help them see that connection, to help mm-hmm. them see the connection of our food ways to the diaspora. Um, so that's what I do. Um, I educate people when I'm, when I'm out and I'm doing my thing, I'm quick to tell them, Hey, you know, this is, this is Africa right here. This Korea, I mean, it's, uh, this Oprah, you know, this is mm-hmm. came from Africa. This rice y'all eating, you know, with all of this, all these, <laughs> right. things, you know, these, this, all of this, this gravy and all the way they eating, you know, gravy over the rice. And all, that's all Africa, you know, so it's just about mm. educating people and helping them to see the connections and then bringing our children in the kitchen with us to teach them, you know, uh, hands on to teach them, let them help and then explain as they're cooking so that they see it. You know, I'm not going to lie, I had some rice and gravy this morning. <laughs> I had it before we got on this call, you know, and now I'm not, I'm now I'm like, I, did, I usually don't eat that heavy early. I'm usually eating like something smaller. But I I needed to eat it this morning. I think it's probably some type of spiritual connection to our discussion. <laughs> you know, like I needed that to get my mind right. I literally ate it like right before we got on this um this call. But yeah, that's it's you know, it's so important to to share that. And I'm guilty because you know, I like growing up I didn't like to cook. And I guess I'm God is still trying to work on me with that because <laughs> I understand how important it is. And I and the thing is I know how to cook, right? Like because you know my my mom, my grandmother, and my aunts and stuff, they would have us in the kitchen and have us helping and preparing meals. But I just, I don't know. And I wasn't ever really forced to be there either. So it wasn't like I had this, you know, thing where I felt like I was forced and I don't want to do it, you know. But, you know, I, I understand the importance of it. And we need to be there physically to see and be working alongside those things and with those things to really be able to pass them on, right? Because if we don't, teach and we don't educate we will lose these knowledges you know we have to keep it going um and, and tell people where it comes from I, like Jawanda, i was like oh, i wish you lived in houston because i'm telling you people get so annoyed with me when i'm always like that's african like my sister was like you need a shirt that says that's african <laughs> but it's like i'm always trying to tell people i'm like gumbo you know like like in the title of the podcast that that's you know an african yes. word for okra you know and 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 you know and thinking about um, in Houston, we have like a lot of people from other countries and, you know, it's really interesting to see some of my friends from the continent and they're like, Oh yeah, we call it gumbo too. And I'm like, well, yeah, because that's, you know, that's what it is, you know, it's the okra, but yeah. So, you know, being able to connect with other people throughout the the diaspora from the continent is really cool. I remember when I was in, um, I was in Brazil, I went to Brazil in 2017. I can't believe it's been four years already almost, but I remember being there, and I think what the dish is called, Felicia, you may have to help me with this, but I think it's called feijoada. Mm-hmm. Feijoada. Yeah, and it's Ooh. like the rice, the beans and rice, right? It's a bean, yeah. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. 
like red beans and rice mm-hmm. that my mama cooked. Like, it didn't have any difference. I know that they use a different type of bean sometimes, mm-hmm. but it, it tasted exactly like red beans and rice. And they cooked it with the pork, which I know that's a whole other, mm-hmm. other conversation, but they cooked it in the same type of way. And sure. they had what they call couscous. I hope I'm pronouncing it right because Portuguese is not my language, right? But they were putting that on top. And I was like, that reminds me when we used to put the cornbread, like crush the cornbread on top. Uh, the red beans and rice they did like in the same way and also um a guy i was dating years ago he um was from nigeria he's Igbo, and i remember um he was uh, in the kitchen cooking i'm like you know he can cook really really well and i'm like what you cooking you know and he was like oh i'm making stew and i was like but this stew looks different so he was making like a you know like the you know traditional like nigerian stew but he was making it with fish. I was like, and I tasted it. I was yeah. like, this is Kubion. I'm like, this is wow. Kubion. <laughs> like, it tasted the exact same. And I'm not talking about any difference. You know, sometimes you'll try something and it'll be like, okay, like the spice is a little different, you know. Or maybe the rice is cooked a little differently. When I tell y'all these two dishes were exactly the same, I, I was blown away with the, the taste. The, 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 the fact that we've been able to keep the same mm-hmm. taste in our foods. I mean, of course, there are differences mm. in the way maybe the way we prepare it or the type of spices we use or the you know the type of ingredients but for some reason these two dishes regardless of one, I think the the feijoada had like black beans instead of red beans but the taste the taste was the same I, I was blown away well Brazil is interesting you know another one about that gets me about Brazil because you know there's so many that's the largest African population outside of Africa you know that's yes. where most of us ended up and I was, um, I really love, have you ever had um, akara from, it's Nigerian, yes. okay? Akarajé. So you go to Brazil, right, you go to Brazil, akarajé. They just add a one little syllable at the end. Akarajé is akara. Same thing, yes. made the same way. They might stuff it a little different, you know, put something else on the inside. But it's the same thing. That's the thing, yes. yeah. So and so you got that through line. That's what I want to, when I talk about like a through line, like a like the river does not mm-hmm. stop. Oof. Now, with that through line, because it makes me <laughs> think about Felicia's sacred line. Yeah. Felicia, yeah. yeah. Can yes. we talk about well, that? Like, can we talk about for that? me, um, like I said, it just, it's all 100% sacred and there is no separation. And I think as I got older, my grandparents, they were more into farming and they, of course, they gardened and everything, but they did raise the animals. And with me growing up, um, seeing that I, for a while I was a vegetarian and I paid attention to um, like all the things online and veganism and things going on on IG. And I think the older I got and then watching, you know, all the documentaries on food and then sitting back and watching those that came before me, I was like, wait, there's dignity in the way that my grandparents are doing things here. Um, I'm very, I'm blessed to Mm. have them, you know, still here and I can still visit them even today and still see them and see how they work the land. But um, watching them garden and watching them farm. Okay, so not to get too political, but when things are sold to us and repackaged and then sold back to us as though like we can't do it. It really angers me and upsets me. 
um, because of things that we have been doing, but then it'll be repackaged with a nicer name and say, this is how you should farm or this is how you should garden. I know when I started gardening here in the city, because I don't live there in the country with them, um, I went to these gardening classes and it was all about, you have to buy this bag. You got to start with these herbs. You want to use this material. You want to do this, that, and a third. But then when I would go visit my family in the country, they were using all types of material. They were just getting wood. They were using different dividers to separate plants. And my grandpa was like, oh, you could just do this. Like, for example, I was like, I want to start learning how to grow these peas because that's something my immediate family did. They grew different types of peas, sweet peas and black eyed peas and different types of beans to help the soil. They were like, oh, you don't have to buy this organic thing. This bean will give nitrogen back to the soil. So we just do it like this. And then my grandpa, I was like, well, how do you do it, grandpa? How far do you, you know, dig and all this other stuff? Because in the gardening classes, they would be like, you have to go three inches deep and all this. And I understand there are ways of doing things. My grandpa was like, just stick it in the dirt. It's like, say a prayer, wash your hands <laughs> and stick it in the dirt. And I was like, oh. And then I was like, so what do you do with the peas? He was like, plow it, stick it in the dirt, put the peas in the dirt, they'll grow. And I'm just, it just blew my mind because I was here in the city paying money to learn how to garden. <laughs> But here are people in my family been eating off the land for years, decades, and not a class at all. They're just led by spirit. And I was like, that's when I actually, I'm not going to lie, I stopped taking the gardening classes. And I just started talking more to my grandparents. And it created everything. Um, Io, that you talked about before, earlier on, like I had to sit, I had to be humble. I had to sit at the feet of those that came before me and listen like almost like go back to childhood and listen, see how they were doing things. I had to watch them. I learned about the seasons. I had to sit and learn about, okay, how do you prepare it? Or how do you freeze it? Or how do you prepare for a freeze? Like what's going to happen? And even with this last freeze that was in Texas, my grandpa was like, yeah, sometimes you lose crops, but they'll come back. Like even this past weekend when I went, he was like the peach trees, like they're showing bloom. So, you know, sometimes things come back, sometimes they don't, but this is how we take care of it, you know, and just the farming aspect. The, mm. the only thing I could think is the dignity. So being sold about, you know, factory farming, I, I definitely understand being brutal to animals and hurting them. And like I said, I, I'm not trying to get political. Like I understand why it is not OK, because we are a part of the same system. These are living beings. But as I watched my elders farm, they weren't doing that to the animals. Like my grandfather farmed cattle for a long time for, like I said, for decades. That's how he made his living. And when I was watching him this time and I specifically asked him about the herding practices and, and what kept him in it. And he talked about the ebbs and flows and how, you know, people are more vegetarian. So it does, you see these increases and then you see these declines. But he was like, I never treated these animals in a way as though they didn't have a soul. And when he told me that, I was like, oh my God. He was like, they're us, they're a part of us. It was like, they birth children, you take care of their children, mm. you take care of their calves and what he does on his land. And it's, it's all free range. There's no... Um, <clears throat> He works everything by himself and he may hire out like three other people 
but there isn't like a factory. There's no milking portion. Like it's all like literally they are free to run and do whatever they want and eat the grass and birth their children in peace, birth their calves in peace. He feeds them. He leaves it like it's, it's just such a dignity and a, a cycle that I see. And he's like, I need their manure. This fertilizes the grass. I go back. I plant the beans. They eat the grass. Like it's just this cycle of dignity and this understanding. And it's not about push or production or flow. It's about staying in tune and staying in line. And I don't know. I just for me, it, it um, changes like what we talked about earlier, honoring the ecosystem and honoring the past. I'm not saying if you're in gardening classes now, don't take them. And I'm not saying that, um, that it, what I have noticed is we are being retaught things that we already know. And we know, like, we already know they're in, us. our elders know this. So um, I can't remember, but someone mm -hmm. spoke earlier about going into um, the university, but being grounded. Like I'm constantly reminded of that. Like when I was taking those classes, like having this grounding of those that come before me, be like, wait a minute. Like my people been doing this and they've been doing it in a dignified way and they've been tapped in and this is ours. <laughs> like. It, that is just on my mind all the time. And especially yeah. it's fresh because I just went to go visit them to go help out on the farm. So like just hearing my grandpa talking about the soul of the animals and the beans giving nitrogen to the land and hearing him talk about these cycles. I'm just like, this is already there. It's in us. And we just kind of have to sit quiet and listen. I just got goosebumps because I wrote, as you were talking, I wrote, it's in us. And then you said, it's in us. Oh, my God. <laughs> See? Mm -hmm. See? Man. I, you know, on the, on the top of that, that reselling, kind of send, selling back to us what, what we've been doing, what we know. I see that a lot because a lot of my work is really more in like wellness, you know, than it is in food. Like, and so I see it all the time when you see things like, oh, when the detoxing got all big. Everybody, you know, all the, I'm like, that's nothing different from mm -hmm. castor oil in the spring, mm -hmm. you know, or sassafras root, you know, I, like things like that. Okay. All the kids got to line up and get your, whatever you're going to get to purge the worms every, you know, like that seasonal, seasonal cleanses. Yeah. We've been doing that. Mm -hmm. Or your dandelion greens and your bitter greens in the spring. That's not something that comes from, you know, the wellness industry TM. And now we got to go and buy like we've been doing these things. My grandmother um, was born in 1906 and she died in her nineties. And one thing, she was a cook, cook. One thing she used to say all the time about food and health, when people would complain about the cost of something, like of, of produce or good food, she'd say, listen, it's cheaper than the doctor. Ooh, and that yes. was her line, you know? And so when people talk now about eating organic or blah, 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 and it's expensive, it's the same thing. It's cheaper than the doctor. Is how I think about it. And we do the best we can with what we have. Like that kind of stuff, that's old. You know, like I, I like to say black is, black is the old green. <laughs> the old green. We've been doing this. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And Felicia, I was, oh, I was thinking about, as you were talking, I had so many thoughts, y'all. This, this conversation is so beautiful. Like y'all inspired me. I know my dad and I, we talked about, because um, my dad gardens too. 
And I know I talked to him like last year during the pandemic about starting like a, a garden and growing some okra and some different things, some different <laughs> herbs. Now I'm going to have to call him when we finish this and definitely follow through on it because it's, it, it's it's so inspiring to hear these to hear y'all talk about this. Um, and my mom been trying to get me in the kitchen for the longest. So I guess I'm going to have to be back in that kitchen, <laughs> you know, doing these things. Do it. Get yeah. in there. Get in there. Yeah. And you know, what I find too is when you do it, when you, you know, put your hands in the dirt or when you get in that kitchen or whatever, it feels like it opens up all these other worlds. I think it was Shawanda. I don't know if it was Shawanda mm-hmm. or Felicia. Someone was saying that mm-hmm. it's like a portal. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really is. That that's how it is in the garden. It's like, wow. that's like, oh, it's like garden is garden. That's where I go to church. Yes. You know, that's where, you know, um, getting that time there, it just opens up so many other things that have nothing to do directly mm-hmm. with putting that bean in the in the ground mm-hmm. but it's it's mm-hmm. more than what it is oh it's not about putting the bean in the ground or you know it's not that it is that you're planting the seed but you know it's but like it's what felicia was saying it it's all of this it's everything it's watching does it does that seed flourish does it not why didn't it what can you learn from it mm-hmm. you know um what plants do well together what plants don't like to be near each other that's like people. Yes. You know, there's so much to learn from that. Mm. No, I'm just processing. Can that I one. even add um, That's a just word. the community? Because I know we're used to going to grocery stores and I'm not knocking it out at all, but this is something for myself, like over the years, because I've only been hardcore gardening for like two years. Before then, going to the store, um, you get what you want when you want. It's not always seasonal. If you want cantaloupes right now, you get them right now. If you want cantaloupes in the winter, mm. you want them. It just doesn't matter. So you learn these habits that kind of block that vortex that I believe Shawanda was talking about. Because when you hit, when you get in that garden, and then when you get in the kitchen, it does open that portal. It opens that line. But mm-hmm. I noticed for me when I started gardening and I started paying attention to the seasons, I had to kind of understand, oh, I can't have strawberries all the time like I want them. And so what it does, it opened me up to community because I learned about my friends who were gardening and they were growing other things at the same time, right? And so we start sharing. And then I learned about other produce and other fruits. Well, what does grow in this season? So it like opened me up to the community that I have now, but it also opened me up to new foods because I wasn't just going to the store and buying the same things every week so I could meal prep and get ready to go to work. Like I literally had to learn like what's seasonal, what's not, who's growing what in my neighborhood, who are the, um, I know pre-COVID it was this, what do they call it? Like a farmer's market? They would come out. It was a mobile farmer's market every two weeks. And so we would go out there and see what they had. And it was a learning lesson for me. It was so humbling and eye-opening. And I, was, and I went there just blind, just like I'm at a grocery store. Do y'all have this, this, and this? And the guy was like, no. He was like, this year we couldn't grow this, so we only have Swiss chard. And he was like, the only meat we have is lamb. So, like, you, what do you do? You, you get the lamb and you get the chart and you learn how to work it. <laughs> so it, it just taught me about food. It taught me to respect seasons and it taught me how to build that community as opposed to constantly having the, I guess you would call it, I don't know, instant gratification or just getting whatever you want when you want all the time. And it's 
for me, it was like against spirit. Like it just, I guess I learned how to live in that world and gardening really opened me up to, I can't have everything I want all the time. Like that is not how the earth works. She needs to replenish herself. Like I have to wait. I have to be patient. I have to listen. Mm -hmm. And that's why for me, it became so spiritual because gardening actually slowed me down some. Like made me listen and watch. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I used to um, several years ago. I was I lived in Savannah, Georgia, and I worked on one of those farmers market, mobile markets. And me and my girl Monique used to go out. We were all through like West Savannah. Like we were in the hood. We were um, at, in elder housing complexes all around the city. Um, and the most powerful thing for me about that experience was the community building and what we could learn, right? Because you're coming out here with whatever we have from the different farms and you lay it out and folks come and they expect you every week and they fuss at you if you don't have this. And when the <laughs> muscadines came in, when those grapes came in, folks lost their whole minds or sugar cane. Because you could see it's a seasonal thing. And then and the elders would know and they would come out and some of them had grandchildren never had sugar cane and the, the community that got built. And I learned so much. Like I would put some out and they'd be like, oh, you know how, you know how to make that? And I'd be like, nope, <laughs> like I'm just selling it. And then they would break down mm -hmm. for me how they would prepare it. Mm. You know, and just the community that came from that experience was really, really something so powerful. Mm. Wow, that makes me think about um, when I would go to Louisiana, you know, because I grew up in Houston and I would go down to Louisiana and visit my family and we would just pull on the side of the road and get the sugar cane out, you know, in the um, right mm -hmm. there, you know, and just, eat mm -hmm. it, you know, that that's such a. Oh, y'all, that's such a beautiful, a beautiful and necessary thing. I think we've, I think we've been missing out, you know, those of us who, you know, not been tapped into these traditions and um, these, these customs. I, I really think that we've been missing out on um, all the, 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 the power that we have as people and the connection to um, our culture and our ancestors, you know, and I wanted to ask for people who may be like interested in doing these things like how how do they you know get into it like you know what types of things let's 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 maybe talk about what types of things they can grow um as far as you know herbs and and foods and and what types of things that they can cook that would allow them right to connect directly with our ancestors right so what maybe what things maybe came from africa um and how can they connect to those things mm -hmm. <laughs> I know for me with herbs, a lot of times the easiest things to start with, to start growing, are cooking herbs. Mm. And a lot of times, like, they're in the mint family, those real easy, easy things. So, like, thyme and basil and oregano um, and rosemary, like, those kinds of things are easy to grow. And a lot of, like, basil is a lot of, ba there's a lot of basil, types of basil that is African um, native, you know, in the same family. Um, that, that people can grow. But the herbs, I feel like it's the cooking herbs. It's the ones that, um, even if they didn't come from Africa, and I try to find some things like they're like fish peppers. There's some like um, spices I'll try to source. And I could, because I live so far north, I can't grow a lot um, mm. where I am. But I go to the, to the spices that, are, that my folks cooked with. Um, 
filet gumbo when I was in um yes. in, in Savannah. Filet gumbo because any any place that you have um have your tree. Sassafras. You know, you can just yeah get the get them leaves. You know, so that's one that you don't even have to grow. You can just find the tree. It's easy to dry, and that's like a mm-hmm. real deep connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody yeah. mentioned sassafras earlier. I don't remember who it was, but I was thinking about you know. And um, in Louisiana, our our gumbo, like the filet, like you mentioned, that's, you know, that's where it comes from, the sassafras. So, yeah. And this is, I'm taking notes because I'm over here like, okay. (laughs) Because I know Felicia actually helped me with gardening a little bit um, last year. And one, I think you gave me the Thai basil plant, if I'm not mistaken. So I was growing that. I was just so impressed with the fact that it was growing. You know what I mean? And they, they actually became like my babies, you know, like I really care for them. And actually they... They were ruined, um, unfortunately, through the winter storm. And I literally cried, y'all. Like, Aww. I cried. And, you know, but I know it's going to be okay. But it just, just shows you just there's a there was a spiritual connection between me and those plants. It wasn't just like this thing that I owned. It, I didn't even own it. It was just this connection we had, you know. But either way, I know it, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we can come back again and everything will be okay. But it just made me think about that. You're right. Like, there are so many herbs that we can grow and then we can actually put them in our food. Like, you know, we can season our food with that. That's just one way we can also be autonomous. We don't necessarily have to rely on, you know, this, this, you know, the grocery store or the system. Like what happens if, you know, there are no grocery stores in your area. There are a lot of food deserts um, all over black communities in this country. And, you know, what if you don't have access to a grocery store, right? You can- I'm glad you said that. Because no, mm-hmm. you should know what grows near where you are. That's yes. one thing, too, I would recommend. Even if you're in the city and there's not, you know, you're not in a really green, green area, it's good to know what is chickweed, what is dandelion, what is violets, mm. you know, little basic stuff. Because um, that's medicine. That's mm. all of that. All of that's medicine. You know, it doesn't have to be all super exotic off in the, you know, Himalayas, whatever. It's like, we, you know. <laughs> There's stuff popping up all over around us. Like in when I was in Savannah, I would I would never buy a bay leaf because mm-hmm. you got bay leaves all over. If you know what you're looking at, yes, it's right there. You know, that's so important. That's so important because I think obviously a part of okay, so a part of you know us connecting to our like our African ancestry is you know how can we use African things, but also just the way that we do things can be yes. like that way. So like the fact that. Wherever, in whatever environment you're in, you're connecting with that land and that environment, and you're finding yes. what's right there. That that method, even if those things aren't, you know, like I said, from across the world, you can still utilize those things for the things you need, right? Like that's what our ancestors did when they got here. They're like, wait, I don't recognize. That's it. I don't recognize what the, you know, I don't know exactly what this is, but I can smell it and I can taste it and I can experiment with it, and it's science, right? Like I can determine it's science, it's art, all of these things. And I can determine how I can use these things for my own healing, right? Like I said, that Monglier tea, right? I'm I'm still trying to figure out how I can ask my my um, aunts and stuff about what to do with that, and my dad, you know. But all these different things are right next to us, and I think it's it's a way that we can em, em, really empower ourselves and not necessarily feel like we don't have what we need because sometimes it's right there. Like, are you gonna use me or not? Are you gonna talk to me or not? Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, wow. Now I got to go survey my neighborhood. Yeah, just walk around the block, walk around the block. And then finding the elders on the elders in your neighborhood, a lot of times will know. 
Mm. You know, pre-COVID, I learned when I was in, like in my twenties, when I first was learning to garden, I was um I wasn't living near my family, and I joined a community garden, and mm. it was all elders at that point, you know, because it wasn't you know it was a while ago, but it was all these retired folks from South Carolina, North Carolina, um, and they taught me more than my family did that I you know grew up with, mm. um, and it's a good way to connect, you know, just to, you learn so much, you just learn so much, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did anybody else want to share about that? I, I, I would definitely about, say um, sweet potatoes and black eyed peas. <laughs> Those are good things to um, definitely stay rooted and and get that through line going, like open that portal. But sweet potatoes and black eyed peas, definitely. And um, we talked about mm-hmm. walking around the, the app, Plant This, I believe that's the name of it. Um, you can take pictures. Sometimes it's picture this. That's what it is. It's called picture this. And when I go to picture parks, this, yeah. <laughs> I bring like some shears and I just have that app open. So just in case you see something and you're not um, used to it, you've never seen it. Or you're like, hey, is this is this? Because I swear there's basil and dandelion in front of the Houston Zoo. And I almost lost my mind when I saw it. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. So yeah, just keep some shears with you and if you're ever walking in a park, that's a good way too. You can learn what's around you and take some home if you want. Yeah. Oh. I love that. I'm yes, I did. Like I was in a I was I'm sorry to go <laughs> off. I was having a conversation with somebody and I looked and I was like, wait a minute, is that basil behind you? And then she just bust out laughing. I was like, girl, (laughs) yeah. They're just walking in random parks and just surveying, looking around, like she said. Getting used to what's around you. Because they just build everywhere, but the world, the earth keeps growing. Grass will keep Mm. growing. Mm. (laughs) Mugwort is not going to stop ever. Talk to us a little bit about Mugwort and some of these. I don't know. I, I guess that needed to come out. I don't know. I, you know, I was thinking about. <laughs> I guess that had to come up. I the, the reason I said that I was I was listening to what Felicia was just saying, and it was I was thinking about the beginning of um, COVID when all this stuff started and everybody was inside. I still was going out for my everyday walks and stuff. And one of the parks nearby, um, all around the playground, because nobody was out there. That you know, the maintenance crews weren't going out or mm-hmm. anything. Um, the mugwort was tall as I was. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to do y'all a favor with my shears and my bag because that's we're, we're of the same crew with that. And yeah, let's just handle that. So mugwort um, is a beautiful plant. I don't know if it grows everywhere, everywhere, but it's pretty common. Um, it's one of those plants that grows kind of in what we like waste places. I'm saying that in quotes, but you know, yeah. you know, just along between the street and the in the sidewalk and it'll just kind of grow wherever. Um, it'll come up out of cracks the way dandelion does, but you can use it to support your digestion. It's good for, um, for, for when you have folks who have trouble digesting really rich food mm-hmm. um, or I'm liver stagnation, mm-hmm. have like a little mugwort is good to support digestion. It can help. It also just kind of gets circulation in that whole pelvic area as well. So like um, stalled menses, you know, bring that on. You can bring on your moon with um, with mugwort tea. Um, people use it in dreaming. You know, it's one of those kind of spiritual medicines. So sometimes like people make like a little um, 
like a little bag, little pillow and fill it with mugwort, you know, or people smoke mugwort, like, you know, just like it was tobacco um, mm. and use it in that way. There's something else. There's a lot about mugwort. You can put it in vinegar make it, you just make, it's like basically a tincture. You can put it in vinegar and then put that on your salad, you know, you add that to your salad dressing. Um, it's just cheap and it's everywhere and it's this beautiful medicine. Oh, they use it in acupuncture. It's yes, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Mugwort and mullen together for my lungs. Mm, mm, love love that. Nice. Wait, you said you smoked yeah, that for your lungs? Mullins. For asthma? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Issues. And I mm-hmm. think, see, I need that. I need that because I was actually, I feel like somebody told me, see, you know, that's how you know. Like people be telling you something, are you listening? Because I remember somebody told me something years ago about my allergies, right? Like the kind of sinus things I was having going on. And I feel, I feel like she said mm. mugwort. I, I think she said I need to put it in the tea or something like that. I'm pretty sure, it's, you know, so definitely like the fact that we can heal ourselves through this. I know we talk a lot. I know like Felicia and I like offline talk a lot about healing and um, especially right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, how can we arm ourselves with that medicine, you know, and be proactive to heal our bodies. And I wanted to ask uh, Shawanda too, are there any like particular ingredients that you, I know we're not trying to get all your recipes now, but you know, any particular ingredients you want to talk about that you cook with that really helps you help you connect or, or the things that your ancestors cook with, whether that's, you know, herbs, or other types of, you know, vegetables or things like I, that. You know, I really like the, you all mentioned Philae. Philae is one of them. Um, that you know really helps root us to um, me in particular. I have uh, ancestry um, across the lake um, in Slidell, an area called Bonfica and Bayou Lacombe. Um, my ancestors there were indigenous, and uh, they used a lot mm-hmm. of filet. Um, they grew it, and they would you know uh, ride across the lake back in the day and go and sell the filet in the French market. Um, yeah, they would make it, and mm. you know, it was very potent, very strong filet. You only use a little bit of it because it'll make make everything thick. You right, stand a spoon up in whatever you're cooking. <laughs> so thick. Yeah, what? so I yes. really, really connect uh, that way. And uh, of course, okra. Love me some okra. Yes, love yes. okra. It's just uh, I love it. I mean, so either people I meet people who either love it or they hate it. You know, but I love okra, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. that's definitely one connection, and it's so healthy for us. It's so good for our digestive uh, system. So, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, okra is okra is my favorite. I'm always mm-hmm. trying to eat some okra, and it's and you know that that's why I don't know if y'all noticed with our our logo of the podcast. That's why it's green, uh, <laughs> you know, okra. because of okra. You know, uh huh. You know, because uh-huh, mm-hmm. the gumbo means okra. And so I um, was connecting that dot, but yeah, no, okra is a lot of the things that we were traditionally eating um, and they were healthy. You know, I know sometimes when we think about soul food, for example, we think about, um, oh, people like associated with being mm-hmm. unhealthy, right? But actually, if you really break it down, for one, the way that our ancestors were eating meat is not the way we eat mm-hmm. meat today, Right. In terms of, you know, the, you know, I'm, I'm personally, I don't, I don't eat meat, but, you know, I don't, also don't think there's anything wrong with it as long as we're taking care of the animals and doing it in a certain type of way. But when I think about the way that they were eating meat, you know, it wasn't as frequent for one. And then for two, it was like healthy. Like they were there with the animals, you know, raising those animals up, um, feeding them properly, treating them properly. There was a spiritual connection, you know, so the types of things they were doing, but even the fact that, 
most of the foods that our ancestors were eating was it was vegan. <laughs> like, you know, they weren't eating a lot yeah. of meat. You know, they were cooking, you know, collard greens and black eyed peas and yams. Where's the meat in that? that you know, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Right. So I think a lot of times we we have a negative association with the, our ancestral foods. I've heard somebody somebody call our food slave food. And I just feel like that's really derogatory. Like, no, it's more than that. It's something that our people kept. Our people kept these traditions and were able to find new things. And of course, they were eating pork because that's what they were given. But it wasn't like that's all they ate. You know what I mean? And they understood mm-hmm. how to use food to heal their bodies. And to Maybe that's one of those repackaging. You know? Yes. Yes, mm. it is. It really, really is. So I think that, um, you know, it's really important to, for us, for us to make sure that we understand what types of things we can prepare. Right. Uh, a lot of our foods are actually really good for us. Um, one, one thing I think about, too, mm-hmm. is watermelon. <laughs> right. You know mm-hmm. how we, you know, we have that association of how watermelon is what black people eat. And I'm like, that's fine. You can you can stereotype me because I do love watermelon. And guess what? It's healthy. And, and, and guess what else? Watermelon is from our and it, it was, you know, it's originally mm-hmm. from Africa, you know, so you we got to really get away from, you know, not tapping into what we have access to, even if we don't have it in our immediate family, what community members or elders can we ask and learn and grow from? So absolutely. Well, are there any other final words that y'all wanted to mention about, you know, cooking, herbalism, gardening, <laughs> farming? Ooh. Drink your pot liquor. <laughs> drink your pot liquor. That, that's my immune tip. <laughs> drink your pot liquor. <laughs> can you explain that for those who may not know? For those who don't know, okay, so first of all, the leafy greens, you know, like in terms of just, I'm just keeping my immune system up, you know, and that's a good way to do it is to just generally eat healthy. But dark leafy green vegetables are what we do. You know, that's Africa, right? Yes. Um, That's Africa. And when you make a pot of greens, you know, the traditional way our folks make greens, and you have all the liquid in there with the onion and the garlic and the you know, the pepper flakes or whatever you put in your greens, um, the liquid that's left over is the pot liquor. Mm. Not liquor, I say the water, the liquid. Yeah, liquid left over is pot liquor. Um, and sometimes people mm. toss that out, which I don't understand because there's all kinds of minerals and nutrients mm. and, you know, immune boosters in there with that garlic mm. and the pepper. And um, even if there's meat in there, I mean, you know, I feel, I feel the same way like you're saying with soul food. They don't, it's... it's even if there's meat in there, it's there for flavoring, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I say drink your pop liquor and there's a whole lot just right there. Oh, yeah, definitely. I completely agree. I used to, I think, and I think that's a natural thing for us to want to do, but I think sometimes <laughs> we get told we shouldn't do it. But of course, I'll be doing that anyway. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Yes. And Shawanda and uh, Felicia, do y'all have anything y'all want to, you know, sorry. final words that y'all want to share? I see. My my thing is just teach the teach the children, teach the babies, you know, uh, about who we are and about our foods, and and bring them in the kitchen, so that they can learn and pass it on to their babies when they have them, you know. And that's how we live forever. We just have to keep passing it on and keep teaching mm-hmm. it, just the way our people did for us. And I think we we get away from that mm-hmm. a lot now with fast food and everything being so quick, quick, quick. We don't we don't do it. We don't pass it on, and our babies are losing. They're missing out. You know, it's just hurting us in the long run. So, you know, I knew especially too for me with um, after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, 
you know, children uh, who are the people from New Orleans are living in other places and they're being raised in other places now and they're not around the culture. So the, the parents are not really teaching it in the home. So we're losing a lot uh, with that. So I, my biggest takeaway or my biggest thing to contribute mm-hmm. is let's teach those babies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you, they, when you teach them so young, this is a side note, but when you teach them so young, they always can go back to that, you know? Because I think about, like, how, you know, I was learning at such a young age, and I don't necessarily cook often. I'm not going to cook. Everybody know me, no, I don't cook often, but I'm I'm working <laughs> on it. <laughs> but I still know what to do for the most part. Like, I still remember these things because we're, it's, we're embodying it by being in the kitchen and, and being around these types of things. Our bodies, mm-hmm. they remember, you know? So I think that's that's really, really powerful. That yeah, I that. was just going to say it's never then, too Felicia, late I think you have for whoever's listening just – Ask those questions. If you still have people and elders in your family who are still here, just go ahead and ask those questions. It won't annoy them. They will be very happy to talk to you. And if you don't, because I understand family dynamics are different, there are elders in your community. Just go online, look for the community centers that local um, libraries have access to different classes and Hopefully, you know, things will change. I definitely understand there's a pandemic going on, but just tap in and ask the questions because I feel like doors open once you hit that one right person. Like you get that connection and then they'll tell you about somebody else. They'll tell you about somebody else. They'll tell you about another group or another community. So asking questions really help to open, you know. I know the word portal was used, but getting that portal open once it's open, it's open. So it's, it's, it's never too late to do that. So just open it and get Ooh. that through line going because mm-hmm. we have goals like in our families. Like that knowledge is gold. That's wealth. That's health. That's spirit. So once it's open, it's open. So just get there. It doesn't matter like what your age or the resources or, you know, I hear people say, I don't have a green thumb or I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. Just open the door. Ooh, mm. open the door and walk and walk through it. That's the word. Well, I want to say a huge thank you to all of you guys for being here um, and being so phenomenal and sharing, you know, all of your brilliance and your connection. It's, it's, it's inspiring me. I always get inspired when I listen. So I know that the people um, who are going to hear this podcast will have a lot to take away <laughs> from this and it'll just continue to blossom out. But I wanted you all to go ahead and share um, any activities or upcoming events that y'all have and how our listeners can connect with you, whether that's social media or websites. And we can start with uh, Shawana. Sure, yes. Yeah, you that. can find me on uh, Instagram at Creole, New Orleans Creole Story Pot uh, and also on Facebook. Um, I have uh, an interview coming up that's going to be featured in the international publication Creole Magazine. Um, so that's coming up um, yes. within the next couple months probably. Uh, and what else is there? Oh, one other thing. Um, culinary historian Michael Twitty um, just released his uh, second book called Rice. And he, uh, mm-hmm. I'm honored to be featured. One of my recipes are featured in his book. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm very oh, excited awesome. about that. So thank you all so much. Yeah, I can yeah, share on um, the Instagram is Sacred like Line, S A C R E D L I N E. That is the home line. 
And then for yoga and dance, it's Felicia underscore dance underscore and yoga online. Awesome. Thank you. And then um, last but of course not least, Io. Okay, I'm on Instagram at, let me see, I have a few different ones. The best one is io.herbalist, A-Y-O period herbalist. Um, and my website is www.thecreativeroot.net. And that's where I have classes and things coming up um, for the summer. I'll be putting them up. And then, but the one thing I really wanted to plug was the Gullah Geechee Herb Festival, um, Herb Gathering. Yes. So the Gullah Geechee Herb Gathering is happening next weekend, next Saturday, a week from today, from the, the week from this recording. Um, and the website is, I believe it is exactly the same. It's www.gullahgeecheeherbgathering.com. It's herbal, herbal gathering. Herbal, thank you. Herbal gathering. Thank you for <laughs> looking that up. So it's herbalgathering.com. Um, you can still get virtual tickets. And I believe they'll still have recordings available even after the event. Um, but it's a wonderful, it's the first of its kind that I know of. Um, black folks by us for us talking about herbs and plants mostly from the Gullah Geechee tradition but it's open to everybody and um, it's going to be beautiful so I really encourage people to check that out Now Ayo are you of the Gullah Geechee? I am I wasn't raised there but my mother's family um, my mother's folks are all from down from South Carolina so her folks are from Mount Pleasant um from North Charleston and from Wamala Island, South Carolina. And they live in Savannah now. My parents still live in Savannah. Oh my God. Okay. So we got to talk offline about that because that's. Oh, that's, there's a lot to tell you. Yeah. Uh, Your people yeah. there? Your people from there too? No, no, no. My people okay. are all from Louisiana, but there's like okay. so many similarities. And I've been meaning oh, that's yeah. been on top of my list to go and visit the Gullah Island. So, and I actually just. It's amazing. We're going to, yeah, that's a whole other world. I know, and I actually just had my students watching Daughters of the Dust last uh, last week. Oh, wow. so, yes, this is my, one of my favorite movies. So I definitely will talk. Okay, we need to okay. A, a trip. We're gonna talk there. that, and we're gonna talk yeah, dance. Look. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, and Fel- okay, and, okay. And Felicia is a dancer too. We we got a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, I just mm-hmm. looked it up online. <laughs> I want some of that. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, it was so this is the second year that they did it. Um, and the sister Ketnu Nefer, who runs it, is just phenomenal. She's done a phenomenal job of just creating this space um, for the community. I'm just so proud of her um, and so happy <laughs> to be a part of it every you know, I'm gonna be there every year. I'll come from wherever. Yeah. OK, look, come across, yep. come I'll come from wherever. <laughs> yeah, I'll come from wherever for that one. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. my. I, I love y'all so much. This is beautiful. Yeah, we'll definitely stay connected and. You know, just so y'all know, please, please um, support um, our guests. They just shared their, you know, IGs and Facebooks and websites. Um, you will not be disappointed, as you clearly already know. I'm look, I'm over here trying to tap in even more. But um, I wanted to um, thank y'all again just so much um, for being here and for sharing and for starting your day with us. And um, I want to tell the listeners to go ahead and connect with us um, on our Instagram it's Gumbo the Podcast, spelled out fully, Gumbo the Podcast, G-U-M-B-O, um, for Instagram. And our website, you can go to tinyurl.com slash Gumbo the Podcast, okay? Um, thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed your bowl.